You are listening to episode 66 of the Interlude Podcast, a conversation with Shayla Martin. Welcome back, everyone. I am thrilled to have Shayla on the podcast today. Shayla was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 39 in 2017 and is now three years cancer-free. On this episode, we talked, you know, certainly about her diagnosis and her treatment, but spent really the majority of the time focusing on mental health and the work that she's done to focus on her healing and recovery so that she can live with joy and happiness and fulfillment. We spoke about the importance of therapy, how to be open and honest and communicate with the people in your life during this time, setting boundaries and so much more. I think this conversation will be helpful for anyone who's gone through or going through a hard time. And with that, let's get right to it. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. Today, I am really excited to welcome Shayla Martin to the show. Thanks for being here, Shayla. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So can you start by telling the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Um, Well, got my name. I'm Shayla Martin, uh, based in New York. I was diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer, um, stage two. December 11th was my diagnosis date. I probably felt my lump, though, in September. Um, And like most people probably would say, they weren't really bothered or worried. And then one day they realized the lump hadn't gone away. So I got there um, December Diagnosis came December 11th, mastectomy, January 31st, and chemo, radiation, everything. And uh, what I, year was that? Uh, two, oh, yeah. 2017 was diagnosis. 2018, like the whole shebang started is what I like to call it. Uh, I was 39. Um, so kind of for me was definitely like, wow, I never thought I'd spend my last year in my 30s going through this and fighting cancer. But that's what happened. Um, and the 40s have been pretty good so far. So um, I, I, as of October 9th, 2021, I will be at the three-year cancer-free mark. And that's fantastic. And we know that the farther you go out, the better that it is. What kind of breast cancer did you have? Was it estrogen receptor positive or HER2 positive, triple negative? Estrogen positive. Um, mm-hmm. I don't carry any of the genes. Um, I guess I could say it came out of nowhere in my, in, to me. And most of them do. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of wonder how it happened and we're seeing younger and younger cancer and most cancers are not genetically driven. What was going through your mind, you know, when you, when you were, you had the lump and you went to get it checked out, you know, what were you thinking that it was, was cancer up there or were you taken aback? Um, so I'll rewind. So I was, it was this beautiful day in September, 2017, 
um, probably like the last nice day out of nowhere, went with some friends to the beach, um, at Rockaway Beach in New York, and got bit by a mosquito, one of the big, one of those big beach mosquitoes, and got bit a couple of times. Maybe a couple during that week, I was scratching one on my upper breast where there was literally a mosquito bite and I felt something under it. At that time, I immediately convinced myself that that is something else that's related to the mosquito bite. I work out a lot. It's definitely related to working out, you know, anything. Um, and then I didn't think about it. And maybe a couple of weeks later, because you actually don't touch the top of your chest very much. Mine was higher up. Uh, a couple of weeks later, it hit me again, like, oh, is that there? And it was. And I absolutely still told myself that it, it'll go away. It definitely will go away. Um, and sometimes the universe throws you direct messages. Mine came in the form of I was at a professional development training for presentation. Um, and there was a doctor in there who you, it's a, it was all professional people and practicing presentation skills and everyone did something that they already kind of work with, like working with your real life things. Um, and this, there was a doctor in there and she worked for breast cancer and her presentation was like detecting your lump or something. And I was <laughs> touched it and I was like, oh, that's still there. You need to make an appointment. Like, like the universe is saying like, hey, what are mm -hmm. you doing? <laughs> uh, so the universe, I like, really sent a direct message on that one. Um, and it, even when I went to my GYN, which was my first level appointment, and she said, yes, we feel something. And I said, what else could it be? We know what it could be, but what else could it be? And she listed those things. Um, it could be a dense breast. Um, sometimes things happen, other things. Um, and I went with that. And maybe my doctor appointment for my manogram was probably like three weeks later. And I honestly didn't think about it until I was on the subway headed to um, the doctor. My first appointments were at Will Cornell Women's Center. Mm -hmm. um, and when I walked in the door, at this women's center and everything was pink, that is when it hit me. And I said, oh shit, okay, this isn't just a mammogram like um, at an x-ray center, like I'm in the breast cancer center. And it, that's probably when it first started hitting me. Um, the next, it hit me was um, after my sonogram, the radiologist came in and the intensity and the look in her eyes as she was looking at everything and looking at me, I knew then that um, this mosquito bite was never a mosquito bite. It was the lump that came to the surface. Um, so it's, for me, I feel like it was very, I mean, at this point now, looking back, a little bit of denial. Mm -hmm. um, but by the time I left there, I called my aunt, my aunt, who I'm very close to, my dad, like immediately from outside. And I was like, I have breast cancer. And, you know, denial, I think, it's such a powerful feeling, right? Yes. All and at the same time, also you you know you're not thinking of breast cancer at 39. Exactly. So yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. And afterwards, I'm sure it was kind of a freight train of you know testing and Oof. chemo and surgery and just non nonstop. And what was your experience like going through the treatment? You know, in, in impact on your fitness and your mental health and all of that. What was it like? Um. And, and with hindsight, it was crazy. <laughs> it, in it, I knew that it was crazy, but I, I wasn't feeling it. But I knew it was crazy. Like, and, and, but I didn't really have time. I think from, um, I was like chasing acting dreams at the same time. I'm currently in corporate America, but I was chasing acting dreams. And so I was still in the acting class and 
I remember like I got my diagnosis on that Monday. I had a class that following Sunday and I nailed it. And the teacher was like, wow, you really practice. And it was this emotional scene in my head. I was like, no, I'm in an emotional place. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it was just like doctor's appointments, telling people, telling my job, like telling people I'm close with, like I didn't broadcast to everyone initially, but it was like telling people that I'm really close with, like during a regular conversation. Um, because it was around Christmas. So you're kind of talking to people that you haven't talked to in a couple of months and and then conversations with, hey, before we hang up, I need to tell you something. No one thought they would see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I would say that my mental health was okay. Um, I still worked out. I think I put my focus into trying to maintain a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, That would probably still be in the like, a little shut down. And I don't know if there's anything the, the matter with that, but I do think it's important to at some point feel what is happening. Um, I think it's hard to feel it when you're in it. Like you, you go from like this normal life to like being thrown into a tornado mm-hmm. um, and you're in the tornado. And I think the outside world is, is saying like, oh, don't be in the tornado. It is, it's okay. Like we're here, we're so, you're, you're going to be fine. You're so strong. But why? You're like, I don't really feel so strong. I feel out of control. I really and, like that analogy of, of the tornado. You know, yes. I, you, you're right. Everything's kind of spinning around you, or, yep. you know, um, but it, it's true. I think that everyone has to feel it at some point. And some people I think feel it early on. Um, and other people are more stoic and they're like, all right, let's do this. And it hits you later. Yes. What, what was the point for you? Kind of when did all of it hit you? It hit me after I completed everything. So I completed um, all my treatment. So it was surgery, chemotherapy. I had 12, 12 sessions of chemotherapy. So that was four months every other week. Uh, AC and then T, Taxol. Uh, then I actually had reconstruction and then radiation. Um, so I finished everything October 9th. Um, I planned a vacation with a friend and I went to Puerto Rico to like celebrate. And I, I felt pretty happy. What I realized was like after I came back and everyone was like, oh my God, I threw a party and everyone was like, oh my God, you beat cancer. How excited are you? I was like, I don't know. I'm excited, but I just felt these things swirling in me. And between October and December, like there, that little, that tornado that I was in, that I was in went from being outside to like inside. And I, I put myself that January, like I met some friends, I like knew friends actually, ended up talking about therapy. I'm sharing with everyone at this point, <laughs> sharing my story with everyone, you know, um, and, because my hair was short. So people like, talk to you, like when they see something that draws them to you and was way short. And um, so met these strangers once and just started talking and sharing. And when I said cancer, they actually said, well, how do you feel now? What's what happens? And I said, I think I need therapy. And they recommended a therapist to me. And I've been with her since then. So that's two and a half years now. Um, that is probably what helped me feel the things that were swirling on the inside that I hadn't had a chance to feel in life before. Mm-hmm. And then like the, what I call is like a, a cancer opens a door and whatever you've put a bandaid on in life, I think cancer rips that bandaid off and you can ignore it 
or confronted. I really like that you're talking about, you know, being open about mental health and about seeing a therapist because I think there's still such a stigma around this. Um, And I always tell patients, you know, your brain is the most important organ in your body, right? And people will take their nausea meds, their anti-diarrhea meds, whatever they need. You talk about protecting your brain with maybe medication or therapy or both. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to do that. Right. Because there's such a stigma around it. And I, I, I think it's so important to talk about how helpful that is, but this is your life changes with cancer and yeah. you, how would you know how to deal with it? Because you've never done it before. Never done it. And it's trauma mm-hmm. and it's um, yeah, I, I am a black woman and never in my life had I been to therapy and I'll never forget. I walked into my therapist's door and I said, so what do I do? Sit on the couch. And she's like, have you never been to therapy before? <laughs> and I said, no. And she was like, so what have you been doing your whole life? Like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Shayla works things out with Shayla. I mean, we've been best friends. We're hand in hand here on this thing called life. And she just chuckled. She was like, yeah, sit down on the couch. Um, so like, she took that with stride and probably immediately made me feel very comfortable. But I knew that something was happening. And I know now that if I would have turned my back on that tornado that went from the outside to inside, those feelings, or at this point, I did not know they were feelings. These things that were swirling inside that I now know are called feelings. If I would not have gone to therapy, I don't think I'd be in a good place today. I think that I would be shut down. I think I would be angry at cancer for what it took away from me. Um, My body is, I've always been an athlete. I've always been strong. And it took a long time to be able to get to running a few miles, more than a year. Like, and I wasn't used to that. Um, I also wasn't used to feeling something that I had never put a name to, which was like, like growing up with just my dad. How did that impact me? I had never thought about that in my entire life. I, Cause I grew up so fine and full of love. I never thought about like, did I ever want a mother in my life until mm-hmm. I had breast cancer? Cause that's kind of a woman thing. If I had not gone to therapy, then all those things that cancer brought up would, would be blockages or bad in my body. So I think like the mental health is so important. Um, and may, maybe it's not, maybe it's group settings for some people, the groups weren't for me, but I, I definitely needed something. And do you have any advice about how to pick a therapist or, you know, what happens if you don't maybe click with that person, right? I mean, there's going to be people listening to this who are probably thinking, wow, I I need to see someone, but I don't know where to start. Um, Send me a message. I can refer someone that works with my therapist. Um, I I go to a therapist that practices a framework called core energetics, which is a little bit different than your traditional therapy because it's mind, body, and energy, like moving energy. One time she had me write a letter to cancer. So that, that approach, I think, I thought it was like pretty dope um, because it's a little bit more feely and energy than just saying, well, tell me about your cancer experience. She linked to think things for me related to cancer that I never linked to cancer, that I never linked what I was feeling today. Some of it wasn't really cancer. It's just that cancer opened the door. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and so, yeah, ask your friends. If you have a friend that ha talks about loving her therapist, ask her if she can, if her therapist can recommend somebody. Um, send me a message on Instagram. I can send the, the link to the core energetics. They, they have a bunch of them in New York, like people who practice that framework. Um, yeah, but that's, that's it. Like ask. And if you find someone you don't like, it's like dating. Don't go back on a date with them. It's okay. It's okay. Like if, if, if one thing cancer taught me is to know your boundaries and like own your no, because like we went through the hardest thing ever. Like why waste our time with things we don't like now? And I, I think that's a really important point. You know, you had talked about telling people, right. And telling them you had been diagnosed and, you know, cancer, I think changes a lot of friendships and relationships. And some yes. people are able to be there for you and other people are scared and, and are not able to, you know, were there any of those challenges that you faced in, in your life as you were telling people, as you were going through treatment and in, even after? Uh, yes. For the most part, I am so lucky. The people that I told, so I did, a, I call it a two-pronged tell. Um, the people that I am close with, I did three-pronged. The people I'm close with, I told like within weeks, this is what's going on. The outpouring of support was, it was amazing. Um, a lot of like, well, A, they were so surprised, but like we're so young. And so I think it was a shock for them and it made, maybe everyone felt vulnerable. Maybe everyone felt like, oh shit. Wow, what does this mean for me? I mean, I, I think people may have thought something like that. That was the first wave. The second wave is I had a party and I invited people that didn't know, but I didn't mind knowing. And I called it a pre-surgery party. Um, and I let people know. And those people who showed up, probably like more people like off of social media that showed up and gave me that love, kind of gave me the strength to go through like, okay, I can do that. The same people, like I told people and say, people say, hey, when is your chemo? Can I come? Yes. I don't care if we weren't best friends. So you want to come and sit there and support me? by all means, but there's no like sleeping and chilling in my room. We're talking, mm -hmm. um, bring, bring some music, bring a girl some snacks, <laughs> like turn that into like, a, I, for me it was a social time, um, but it helped and it helped. I gained new support in that. Mm -hmm. um, people who were still supportive for me. There's a vulnerable piece to like someone, maybe it's scary for some people to have someone see them in this position of being hooked up to chemotherapy or what some people would call this position of weakness, but it's not weakness. It's just vulnerability. And sharing that moment with people builds like a bond. And, um, and then my third prong was like, what did I do? Oh, I had a bigger, I like, I just told everyone on social media and people reached out people who were like, Hey, I know we don't know each other well, but my sister had this or my sister passed from this or my mom and people start caring. Um, and that caring, I will say, changed me to the core of who I am as a person. So it was like reaching out and going and the people who weren't able to be there, that's, that's it. Like, it's okay. That's, that's them. It's not you. And that's, that's so important that it's not you, right? It's not you. you know, and that's yeah. the boundaries coming, but it's hard. I know people very much struggle with that. Yeah. And I feel like you may struggle afterwards. I would say my struggle came kind of with the growth and the spiritual awakening came to threw me on. That kind of scares people away too. 
um, when you start changing from the person you were to being a more healed person. Um, so it's multiple places in there. And I hate to say that maybe that's life, um, but I think that the people that you need and that should be there, new or old, they'll be there. Um, and the people that aren't there as maybe you want them to, tell them. Mm -hmm. One person that wasn't really able to be there as I wanted them to be there was my dad. He was not emotionally able to handle it. And he lives in Florida and he doesn't fly anymore because he had a panic attack flying a couple of years ago. He has Parkinson's and had a panic attack and just never tried to fly again. He's been there for me my entire life. And on chemo session, like three, he called. He wasn't there for my of course, my mastectomy, that was first. And I remember that when I woke up from surgery, I called my dad and I said, I can't believe you weren't here. And I hung up the phone. Yeah, I was sad. I was devastated. It hurt my feelings. Um, and by chemo session three, he called. He called all the time. I'm not saying he didn't call yeah. me too, too. But chemo session three, I had a really bad chemo. And I got sick in the session and I was home and I was miserable. And my dad called, how did it go? And I said, it sucked and you weren't there, I can't believe you're not here. I can't believe you haven't tried to get on that plane. And I hung up the phone. And that was hard. I've never talked to my dad like that or done that, but I was, I was hurting. Mm -hmm. But he also would have never known yeah. if I hadn't said it. And he did. He came and came up here for the last chemo session. And that helped our relationship. Um, but I do know, that although it came out angry, if I hadn't said those words, he would have never known how upset or how hurt his girl was. And I think that goes for anyone from friendships to parents to a significant other. And that resentment builds up. Oh, it builds. For time. And I, I think it's so important. I mean, people, you're right. A lot of people can't emotionally handle their loved one, their child, their significant other, whoever it is going through this devastating thing. But I, I think what you did was so important because it brought it to the forefront. Yeah, brought it to the forefront. And to be fully honest, months later, I still was sad that my dad wasn't there the full time, that he, my dad is the, the guy who like, he flew up when I ran the marathon. He flew up for when my job had a gala. Like my dad was there. He raised me by himself. Um, I've never had a, had a mother. He raised me by himself. We've always been very close. And then this happened and he was not able to handle it. Um, but he couldn't say those words. Mm -hmm. Hey, my daughter, I cannot handle what's happening mm -hmm. right now. Maybe he didn't even know. Yeah, that's true. And, and when I found nine, 10 months later that I still was like, I'm really a bit, a little still upset. Mm -hmm. I had to say it. Hey, you know, it still bothers me that you weren't here. Still bothers me. And we talked about it and he apologized. And so I think that like, there's that, like letting someone know, and if it still bothers you and you're still in that person's life or they're in your life, let them know. Mm -hmm. And then if they can't give you what you need, maybe it's time to let that go. I mean, that's the, I think that's the thing. Like I said, cancer rips off a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. That Band-Aid is so multifaceted. No, you're right. It really brings everything to the forefront. Um, and I thank you for being so vulnerable about your experience of it. 
let's um so you you talked about kind of getting you know back to fitness and getting back to running and so walk us through what that was like you know because your body i mean a lot of people talk about you know they're the feeling that their body has betrayed them right that you were strong before yes. this and then this happens and how do you find your way back you know from being a marathon runner to now saying oh i can only do a few miles what was that um well you said something very important that i felt was my body betrayed me. Um, I grew up a runner. I ran track through college. I've always have run. I've always been strong. I've always been able to skip three days, jump right back in like it was nothing. That's not what happens with cancer. Um, really, probably from the part of starting chemo, mm-hmm. not the mastectomy so much, um, but starting chemo. That's where it's like, oh, okay, my body's not mine now, and it's not, and it wasn't mine for longer than I could have expected. Um, I had to switch and change my mindset. Um, and it's only because I heard a friend say this word very, I, I was doing it, but when she said it probably a year later, after even meeting her, she said something I was like, Oh, that's kind of what I was doing. She said, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. Mm-hmm. Just that little flip. And I'm telling you, she, she said this like a year ago, like, but I had already been going through things. I had already gone through this. When I was trying to get back in shape and I found myself very frustrated because now my body, even after chemo, eight months after chemo, it felt like my body was holding something in it, holding the residual effects. It wasn't as strong. I couldn't run as long, everything. I, I tried and I was getting my mileage up but like working harder. You can tell when your body's working harder or moving slower. Maybe like <laughs> seven months after that, I, I kind of like, just was like, well, I'm kind of over running. And I've been running since I was 13. So kind of started doing other things, other fitness things, but still just realizing how my body was different. Mm-hmm. But when I started saying, you know what, I have to stop focusing on that and focusing on that. Today, I ran more than I have run since I started chemo. Doesn't matter that it's slower. Doesn't matter that I feel sluggish. I did more than I did seven months ago. Like, and, I, and it was the same thing for like getting back to lifting weights. So like that my range of motions isn't the same after the mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Being able to still say, nope, that's focusing on the, the wrong side of it. I did this. And yeah, maybe Shayla isn't the same strength runner fitness wise as she was before cancer, but I'm still doing pretty damn good. Yeah. And it's, it's the road back, right? It's that strength that comes from rebuilding. Yes. And being grateful for all those milestones. Yes. And like focusing on what I can do. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I can't do push-ups after the, after the um, reconstruction. It's okay. I can do push-ups on my knees. I can do other things. Like it's not the end of my little world because I can't do regular push-ups and bang them out like I was able to before. And um, once I started, just like stop focusing on the differences and be like, this is it. This is your body. Yeah. And here we are. And I'm not really upset at it. Maybe I was disappointed that things happening was changed, but I'm not that upset. And I, I think it's the, the power of resilience and coming back and growing and building. I mean, there's going to, you know, everyone 
where you were in your 20s and 30s is not where any of us are going to be in our 40s and 50s. Maybe better, maybe not. But I think the ability, but I I think a lot of that is tied to the mental health aspect of it, right? Like it's all, it's all tied together. Yeah. I mean, so many times that it would come up to my therapist of, of saying like, oh, I went for a run. I just feel so sluggish. And she's like, how does that make you feel? And you say you feel sluggish. What do you really mean by that? And what it came down to is like, oh, I mean that I'm still aggravated that I had to go through cancer and now things are different. So really is that I'm still sad. Mm -hmm. So face that part. It's really not what happened. It's really not that workout that you're really upset about. It's still that you're feeling the sadness and the anger at this. So let's work on that part. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's so important. So what does life look like now? I mean, life is good. Um, I, have a, I say it all the time to certain friends in different situations. Like Shayla, happy. Shayla's happy. <laughs> like, um, life is good. I mean, I have an amazing therapist. I have amazing friends. Um, because of therapy and healing and doing the inner work as a person and as a, I guess like a, when people say you have great energy, like I feel like that. Like I, I meet people and my relationships become deeper with people quicker because maybe I'm more open um maybe having gone through cancer opened up who I am as a person and that brings amazing people into my life um I feel happier not knowing that I never I never didn't really feel happy before but if happiness is like a one to ten maybe before I was at eight and eight is amazing if you don't know a ten now I'm at a ten and I'm like oh that's a little bit better than eight. I'll take it. Um, I feel more alive. I feel like cancer puts this little thing in the back of your head that says, hey, you don't know how long. Like, what if it comes back? And I can live in fear or I can make sure I live fully. And so I choose to live fully. Let's let's talk about that for a second, because what you brought up is something that so many people struggle with, right? It's that fear of recurrence and have you, or do you experience it? And if you do, how do you kind of push that down, right? How do you make that decision to live fully? I absolutely feel it. Um, To be fully transparent, just a couple of weeks ago, I lost a friend to breast cancer. Hers came back like three years ago. Um, And I met her via Instagram and then, she be a breast cancer post have no idea remember I do not remember how we met but she sent me she came across something of me she sent me a message she had just finished I was starting chemo and she sent me all her chemo notes like this girl was really nice sent me all her chemo notes she lived in Denver I live in New York City and um like that February 2019, so this is 2018 when we met via social media. February 2019, we actually met in per- 2020. February 2020, before the pandemic, we actually met in person. She was in New York. Um, I'll never forget that in 2018, sometime after I had already finished everything, I was, yeah. So somewhere like, we'll say like spring 2019, she posted something, she was re-diagnosed. I was in DC for work and I was supposed to meet a friend for dinner. I couldn't leave the hotel. I was so sad and I was scared because she didn't make it to a year of being 
cancer free. And she was so nice. And I, I guess that's it. You're like, but she's nice. This person is nice and they're healthy. Like, I mean, I'm nice, but she was nicer than me. Different nice, a sweet nice per se. You know what I mean? <laughs> a different nice. And I was so scared, couldn't leave. I canceled dinner. Um, and luckily I had a therapist ses session that week already on the calendar. And the first thing I told my therapist, this girl was re-diagnosed. I am scared. What if? And I had to work through that. And then as her cancer progressed to, to different things, I was scared every time she posted something. And I had to get to the, and it, and it's every time someone is, is re-diagnosed, I feel it for myself. And I don't think that's selfish. I think that's human. Mm -hmm. And when this, when this girl passed, another girl, when I met her in person, another girl from social media that I also was linked to, we both met, in, we all three of us met in person. And this girl sent me a message and she said, I'm scared. I said, I'm scared too. And I think that it's okay. And she said, I feel selfish and said, I don't think we should feel selfish. I think this is our life. This is it. And it's okay. And I was just like, what am I scared of? And I said, I'm scared it could be me. Or I'm scared that if it is me. Then do I live? And I just let myself feel that. I let myself feel that failure. I'm scared shitless right now. I'm sad for this girl. I'm sad for her family, but I'm scared. And I just let myself feel it. Um, and I think that it's hard maybe for someone who hasn't been through cancer to understand someone who's been through it, who has that feeling. Um, when I did post like a, a, you know, like a post about this girl, people were like, well, it won't be you. Like, like where'd you get that from? Um, or someone said, like, so someone told me like, oh, you just have to, you know, like mind is stronger than the body. You just have to will, will yourself to not have it again. So, well, that's not how it works. So I'm gonna let you know that girl willed it not to happen. She did everything. So that's not it. And so it's people who haven't gone through it aren't really able to be the support. And I think that's kind of what makes it hard sometimes is that if I, if I didn't have my own therapist and I wasn't already working through things and already learned that it's okay to be scared and it's okay to be sad and it's okay to have those feelings and sit with them, when people said those things, I would have felt bad for feeling the way I felt and tried to push that down. I think you don't push it down. I think you feel it. Maybe write about it. Maybe cry about it. And then maybe shake it, shake your body and shake it off. But like allow yourself to feel it because feeling is real. And I think if it's pushed down, I think that's where you become angry, angry that you have to go through this. I, I, I like that so much. And I think feeling it, you're right. I mean, you don't want to ignore those emotions. And one of the things you brought up, you know, there's so much shame and blame in cancer and in the words that people use, right? Um, yes. And I think it's so important to, I try to highlight this as much as I can, but, you know, when people get diagnosed or when their cancer recurs or whatnot, none of it is their fault. You know, they didn't do anything. And believe me, everyone wishes they didn't have a recurrence or been diagnosed in the yeah. first place. Um, but there's so much of that, I think, in just the words that circulate around cancer. And I think coming sometimes from well-meaning people who don't know what to say or how to say it and things like that. And, and that's hard. I mean, I remember it didn't happen a lot, but I remember when I did post it, when a broad stream post, 
this is what's happening. I posted on social media the day before my mastectomy. Um, and I remember one person was like, oh my God, my aunt died of cancer. What? That is not what you say to someone who is announcing what they're going through. That is absolutely not what you say. The next thing I got is messages. Have you tried um, lemons? Lemons are known to cure cancer. Nope. You know, people put lemons in their lemon water. That's like, that's not, it's not. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? It's like, well, I already have cancer. So I'm sorry, lemon wedges, not going to cure it. Yeah. And it's not one thing. And I know that I also would ask my oncologist, you know, my breast surgeon, ask my breast surgeon, hey, do you think I should like, and I really don't eat meat in general, but you think I should just go full vegetarian, vegan? And she was just like, if you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. And, and she was like, Shayla, everyone looks for the one reason because one reason makes sense. She's like, it's not one reason. It's a culmination of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's culmination of like how it mixes in your body. And unfortunately, some for some people that turns into breast cancer. Um, and yeah, and once she said that, and I was like, oh, it's not one thing. I, I use that and tell that to people all the time. Now. No, it is not one thing. It's mm-hmm. a culmination of things. And it's easier. I think it's easier because people are scared, right? I mean, yes. so when they hear, okay, you're their age, you were diagnosed, you know, of course. And like you said, you know, every you feel sad, you're, you know, you feel for that person, but you're also thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people say, well, if they did this and I don't do this, then this won't happen to me. And that's just not, the, that's just not the case. No. And I mean, and statistically or technically speaking, I don't fall in the, in the realm or the book that of a person who should have cancer. And that's how I know shit happens because yeah. I've been active my entire life. Um, I've never grown up in, uh, on sugar. I don't even have a cavity. Um, never had a cavity in my whole life. I don't eat sugar to this day. It's never really just been my thing. Um, I, before being diagnosed, like years before, I already cut out most dairy except for pizza, not going anywhere. No, no. Um, never going anywhere. So no, but I've no, already no. cut that out. <laughs> I never grew up on pork or beef. So I was only eating chicken and, and fish, mostly fish. Um, so my diet has always been what they say it should be. Yeah. They say be active. I've always been active since I was a child. Um, so what what is it? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If people say, oh, well, we eat some meat. Well, my friend, she's a vegan and doesn't drink. She had it. Yeah. She had breast cancer. It's just, it's little, it's other things. I mean, maybe it's know. a mix of everything. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's the energy in our body, the energy in our body, pollution, things, blah, blah, blah. All of it can play yeah. a role into how things develop. Um, some people, maybe it develops into other things. And for some, maybe it's called breast cancer. And um, yeah, and I think it's hard. And I think it's kind of like probably being in a relationship and things go bad. You want to find that one thing. Where's that one place my relationship faltered? Yeah. But we all know it's never one place. It's never one thing. And it's the same for this. And, you know, it's true. Life is hard, right? I mean, no matter what we, everyone's going through something, whether it be cancer, whether it be a sick family member, you know, whatever it is, we all... Every, life is hard, but I think what I got from, I mean, I had so much from our conversation, but one of the things was really still to find the happiness and the joy and full fullness in those hard things. 
in those hard things. Like you can let it rip everything away and God, it's okay if it does. Just don't get stuck there. Like it's okay. Like that, that still comes with the feeling. Like you can't go through life only feeling the happy things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to feel the sadness and feel the angry, feel the disappointment. And it's okay to like sit in it and be like, you know what? I'm angry right now. And I'm angry for these reasons. And I'm angry because I feel like it took something away. Took every took this away, took my breast away, took my hair away, took my time away. I had, I personally had other things planned to do. <laughs> I was going to Burning Man in 2018. Like I had plans. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to Burning Man in 2018. I went in 2019. Um, like I had things I had lined up, but like and cancer was not on my schedule. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and yeah, and it was, and I was upset about those things you know down the line but I, I've when I realized I was able to feel upset about those things but I know that I still had so much fun with my friends um and I still traveled when I could yeah still got pedicures I know you're not supposed to but just go to a very clean place that's what I tell oh. you no gels regulars okay yeah just regular um yeah Went to a very, very clean place, yeah. Upper East Side, you know, that, you know, up, yeah, I mean, you have to, yeah, I, I still did some of the things. Um, but yeah, when I had chemo on Wednesdays, I felt like shit, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I felt about 70%. And on that 70%, I went to dinner with my friends, mm-hmm. every single one. Um, I had never worn a wig a day in my life. I didn't personally want to go around bald or with scarves because that, I feel like that wasn't my look and I wanted to look just regular. So I wore a wig. I put that wig on. I named her Charlie and Charlie and I went out. Charlie and I went out and we lived our life. And then when Wednesday came back around for chemo, it was just back there. Uh, I feel, I feel like those things are like, are like, what well, also helped me, you know, helped me like have something. I put a, a, a chip on the calendar for when I finished chemotherapy, I went to Sedona to like get some Zen and get into a healing space. Like, but also then had something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, three more sessions, Sedona. Mm-hmm. Three more sessions. Um, yeah, I think it's like giving yourself, because if giving yourself these things, because if there's one thing I cancer taught me, and it taught me a good one thousand things, is uh, you give yourself the joy give yourself like don't take it away from yourself because cancer takes things let cancer take some things and then you give yourself things back to take take its place like don't let it just take control of everything i love that thank you this was fantastic oh thank you is there anything that we didn't talk about or that you want people to know we covered a lot on that one. Um, all in my feelings. You know, this guy, is, I'm trying to read it from my refrigerator. So I'm looking past. Um, I went to this uh, just really two or three months. No, two months ago, I went to an acupuncturist because I have been experiencing a little late onset lymphedema because I've had um, three reconstructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing I would say. If you don't like your first reconstruction, it's okay to go back and get it done again, from maybe someone else. A lot of people don't think of that, but yeah, so I've had, I just had my last one, December 2nd, it's on top of the muscle. December 2nd, 2020, it's now on top of the muscle from under, I feel more comfortable, but I have been experiencing a little lymphedema and I went to an acupuncturist um, 
and we were just talking. And I was telling him about my journey, cancer, everything, blah, blah, blah. And my spiritual awakening, it threw me on. And he said, I have something for you. He just wrote it down off the top of his head. He said, cancer did not make me a victim. I am grateful for the transformed spirit I have become. Thank you. And I put that on my refrigerator because that's that was it. I had not put it fully into words, but that's it. Cancer did not make me a victim. And I think that's that's important. You hold that close. We're not a victim. No. Just going through something. We're not a victim. I mean, you can do the things necessary, do the work necessary, the inner work necessary, the therapy, the thinking, the writing, the crying, the feeling, and, and take back your power and make sure that you're not, don't put yourself in the victim place. And if you find yourself there for a little bit, it's okay. It's okay. Sit in it, feel it. Wonder why you figure out why you're feeling there at this moment. Just take that back because cancer did not make me a victim. I am grateful for the transformed spirit I have become. Thank you. I love it. Where, where can uh, listeners find you on social media if they want to connect with you? Oh, find me at s.martin05 um, on Instagram. It's also my Gmail account, so you can email as well. <laughs> but yes, Shayla Martin, Martin 5 is my Instagram. Thank you so much. Wow, that was an incredible, incredible conversation. I am so grateful for Shayla's vulnerability, being so open and honest and transparent about what she went through. And how she has chosen to live her life since that point. I hope you learned a lot from this episode. You can find Shayla on Instagram at s.martin05, S-D-O-T-M-A-R-T-I-N-05. And as always, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Dr. Toplinski. If you enjoyed this episode or have loved other episodes of the Interlude Podcast, I would be honored if you can take a moment to leave a rating and a review over an Apple podcast, as that is truly the best way to help me grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. I love hearing from you and hearing the feedback and reviews. And so please, please reach out um, if anything on this episode or other episodes has resonated with you. I would love to hear from you. Take care and I will see all of you soon.